this one day in in eighth grade. So if you wanted to buy mute CDs in, in Yaoundé, what you need to do is you need to go to the Greek bakery and then there's guys standing out there that sell pirated music CDs. Bought a few CDs, we're in a taxi coming home and it kind of struck us that, hey, wonder if we could drive this thing. What you can do with a taxi there is you can kind of pay an hourly rate. I think the hourly rate was like 1,500 francs, pay you 2,000, but we want to drive. He's like, yeah, okay, okay, let's do it. So we we went off onto a quiet road. None of us had any idea how to drive, never driven before, <laughs> no clue what we were doing. Um, poor guy's clutch probably got severely destroyed that day, but we did our best and he seemed to enjoy it. So once we'd done it one time, we <laughs> we kind of got we kind of got the rush and the the feel for it. So then we did it again yeah. and again and again. We start and then as more and more kids did it, then other people would start doing it as well. And it got to the stage where I can't remember if I was there or not, but definitely somebody else, a few other guys I know, would go around. They'd do this at night, and they would actually start picking up fares in the taxi so the the driver is just sitting in the back having a good time he's getting paid to earn money these people you know you've got a couple of white kids in the car just driving around picking up fare taking them <laughs> <places>. <laughs> <laughs> like, a, like a side quest on like grand theft yeah. auto yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. turn on the tv and that's about the time she walked away from me Nobody likes you when you're 23 And I saw more of you my TV shows What the hell is ADD? My friends say I should act my age What's my age again? What's my age again? This is Cumin. This is Caleb. Welcome to Life Unwasted, a podcast where we look into our past to discover our present. Good evening, everyone. Well, wherever you are in the world, whatever time it is, we're in 50 countries right now, at least the last time we checked. Um, so it's going to be whatever time it is for you. Uh, I hope you're having a good time folding laundry or walking your dog or whatever whatever it is you're doing right now while you're listening to us talk. Um, just on a personal note, I want to thank everyone that reached out uh, to me over the last week. Um, it's my birthday. It was my birthday and I freaking hate my birthday. We did a whole episode about it. Uh, anyway, um, there was a lot of personal growth. I, I, um, uh, I took it easy. I took it slow. Uh, I was still pretty hard on myself for not being able to enjoy a, a second of it. Um, and I, I, I took an extra day off, off of work just to kind of like reflect <laughs> on this past year. Uh, reflect on all the things that we've kind of learned uh, throughout this process and, and just kind of be with myself for a day. And, um, you know, at the core of it, what I walked away from was, um, uh, I, 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 because I am so hard on myself and at the end of the day, struggle, just loving the person that I am. When people do give me compliments, when people do say nice things to me, it's nice to hear, but I don't feel it. You know, I don't feel it in my bones. I don't feel it when, when people say that. And if there's one thing that I'm going to work on this next year, it's that it's um, being honest with myself and uh, allowing myself to experience um, community experience uh, love from others, you know, and uh, 
stop anticipating the loss, the grief, the being hurt, those sorts of things. Because, you know, I, 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 I'll never be present in this uh, neat tractor of a body that's mine. Um, I'll never be at home uh, unless I, unless I get through that. So that's a recap on my birthday. And I hate talking about my birthday because just saying the words feels so like uh, self-aggrandizing. We have another great guest. I'm going to move on from talking about myself because this is, this is uh, making me feel very uncomfortable. We have another guest. We've been really traveling around the world this past um, this uh, this past season, season four, and today we have a, another Africa MK, uh, and I'm going to let him introduce himself um, uh, and and give us the backstory. Um, but uh, again, you know, if if you would like to share your story, if you would like to tell us some stories, if you want to process some stuff live, all you got to do is reach out to us. And uh, so Miksu, um, call, uh, calling in from Scotland, uh, so we get another wonderful accent uh, on the show. Yeah, uh, of course, Cumin and I both have accents, but uh, uh, Miksu, tell us about yourself. Um, give us the the planes, trains, and automobiles of of where you've been and and how you ended up where you are today. Yeah, well, hey, thanks for having me. First of all, it's uh, it's really nice to be here. Um, I can't even remember how I actually found your podcast in the first place, but when I did, I, I binged on it um, and just thought, I couldn't believe how much when I heard you guys talk and especially a lot of the early guests when you were in talking about what you'd been through in the Philippines, how much of that sounded exactly like the life that I had in Cameroon as well. So that's what really kind of attracted me to this and thought I need to get in touch with these people and, and see if I can get on this show um so yeah um we my um two siblings and i have got an older brother younger sister uh we moved out to cameroon when i was four years old uh cameroon is a country in kind of west africa it's it's in the armpit of africa you could say a fascinating country the southern bit is thick dense jungle northern bit is practically desert um really really interesting place and a lot of it is very much um as far away as you can get from from the western world certainly from scotland anyway so that kept it really interesting um we lived out in the northern half of cameroon um out in a village in a small little village there my parents were bible translators so we were right um, you know, boots on the ground, right in on the field, um, doing that work, uh, sometimes for months on end. <laughs> very, very interesting place. Uh, in fact, when we first got there, we were so new and such a weird novelty. I think that um, sometimes you'd go places and the local kids there had never seen white people before or certainly they'd never seen white kids before i think that was more it and they would crowd around the car you'd get 20 to 30 kids around the car with their noses pressed up right against the window mm -hmm. um, just uh because they'd never seen anything like it before <laughs> mm -hmm. um that was really interesting a bit frustrating when you're younger but 
then when you remember that you know they've just this is fascinating to them it's just they've never seen it before um yeah that was definitely definitely different but we had at a very young age so from four onwards we had kind of unrestricted freedom growing up to do in in the village to do um pretty much whatever we wanted to do in that location whatever you could do in that location go out come back when it's dark or come back at night um it was a very safe place uh we learned the local language that my parents were working with uh, they were doing the bible translation with we learned that just kind of playing football or, or soccer just with the kids every day messing about with them picked up the language as well so we were very 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 ingrained um with these people um and these the types of people we're talking about here are are incredibly hard working incredibly resilient um but they also own virtually nothing so we are talking about kind of the probably the poorest of the poor as far as it can go so there's culturally culturally wise there's a huge difference between obviously westerners and them and even them and, and other people in in other sides of cameron even they can't always really see eye to eye because of how different that is um my parents were with uh well sil i suppose uh, i think that exists in the philippines as well um mm-hmm. yeah uh so we were there for a few years and obviously we had various furloughs as well um like everyone but i think i think the first time it dawned on me that what that the life that we were living and what we were experiencing that we'd kind of been living under a rock <laughs> for a while was uh on our first ever furlough i think i was in primary three which would be about second grade um i went to a local school here in uh in Scotland and in Scotland, certainly in, in a certain city in Scotland, when you're the new kid there, the first question they ask you, the absolute first question they ask you before they want to know your name or where you've come from or why you're there or anything is, who do you support? And uh, I had absolutely no idea. What, I, didn't, I don't think I even knew what the word support meant. Um, like, yeah, 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 who do you support? Who do you support? They're like, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, anyway, it turns out that there's only, you have to give an answer and there's only one or two and one of two possible answers. And, uh, the answer, you have to say either Rangers or Celtics, what they're talking about is football and, uh, they want to know. (laughs) (laughs) I I would have had no idea either. Uh, yeah, exactly. So. My brother and I, we went to school. We were in different classes. We both got asked the exact same thing. We had no idea what these two teams were, um, which is funny because they're such a big part of Scottish culture. Um, But you're not allowed to say, even even if you were to go and you say, oh, well, I don't actually like football or, you know, I don't know, I'm from Barcelona, so I'm actually, I I have my other team. They'd be like, yeah, 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 but here, you know, between Rangers and Celtic, who's your your team? Who's your team? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you're not you're not allowed to to dodge or evade the answer um which makes it even more difficult when when you have absolutely no idea what's going on uh so of course we went home 
and uh, ask our parents, and they thought this was hilarious uh, that we didn't know what they were asking us. But I think at that age, then it kind of dawned on me that, like, oh, all right, okay, we're we're uh, we're really living a a very very separate life to to uh, to you know what the rest of the world is living or what everybody back home is doing, you know. Um, they're all doing one thing and we, whatever we're doing, I'm not really sure what it is, but we are doing something completely different here and we're kind of living under a rock. Um, and obviously as, as an MK, as you guys know, as everybody else who listens to this thing will know that that theme kind of comes back, it comes back so many times in your life where, uh, you know, you realize that you have absolutely no idea what's going on. You've kind of been left behind by, um, the greater the greater world or, or what you would consider yourself to be uh be your home country uh so that was interesting at, at that age to, to kind of figure that out um yeah after that we went back to cameroon we had various furloughs um and then in ninth grade then started high school um and i went to a school called the rainforest international school uh, this is in Yaoundé, which is a capital city in Cameroon. Uh, I think Rainforest is started by SIL, and it basically exists to serve um, missionary kids uh, and the occasional, you know, the occasional diplomat and uh, the occasional Cameroonian as well. But by and large, it's mostly missionary kids that attend the school, um, and they have. See, we don't call them dorms in Cameroon; we call them hostels. I'm not really sure why, but um, mm-hmm. that's the that's the difference. And for us, the host I think there's three hostels at our school. And they're usually kind of between 10 to 13 kids in each. And then there's like two parents usually that will kind of run the thing. Um, and these aren't on campus. They're like in different, they're not too far away from the school, maybe a 15-minute drive or so. Um, but they're not actually on the school themselves. The school itself, uh, RFIS for short, is um, at the time the high school part was about a hundred kids, and then I think they just they were or they were in the process of adding on the the kind of middle school or junior high bit, and I think that was about twenty kids or something. So a fairly small school. I think my graduating class had about twenty twenty two people in it. Um, yeah, so not not that big, and of course, um, like everyone else says as well, you know, there's the constant revolving door of of people coming and going, friends coming and going. You get to be great friends with someone one year, and then boom, they're gone. Uh, by the time the next the next school year rolls around, so that would that would get a bit frustrating. Um, but for me, I found I found the the life of the high school to be a bit. It was a bit of a a kind of bubble, really, um, a gated community. But within that, I think everyone is able to enjoy a bit of. I mean, I'd say the whole MK experience is a bit of a, a bit of adventure, um, a bit of scary times, and a lot of kind of MK life as well that that you navigate and for some people that's 
it's fantastic and it's probably the best thing that will ever happen to them. And for some people, it's maybe not. I don't know if I'd go that far. <laughs> Certainly for me, I don't think I would say it was the best thing that ever happened to me. I didn't didn't quite share the views that, um, that a lot of people I went to school with did. Uh, we kind of saw things differently there. Um, it's definitely a, definitely a bubble, though, is what I would say is is the, the kind of the environment we were in, um, a gated community. A lot of people, unfortunately, had, I think, minimal interaction with with the locals, which is kind of ironic when you consider the whole mission that you're that you're all essentially there for. You think, well, on one hand, we're here to kind of spread the word of God, but on the other hand, we're also not really going outside the gates. So that bit was always a bit confusing for me. Um, yeah. It, it was it was very interesting. Obviously, there's kids as well from absolutely everywhere. Um, there's a few Koreans there. They were always good fun. Um, but the vast majority, I would say, were American. Um, so as a non-American, there's although our cultures are very, very similar, there's always a couple small things that you have to adjust to as well and 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 kind of navigate which adds to the the fun of that as well i remember my brother once got um i think it was a math test he got points taken off he lost points in his math test because he spelled the word color he spelled it the british oh. one yeah no. <laughs> <laughs> but he spelled it o-u-r and uh, uh, you know the teacher marked it wrong because he was insisting that it should have been OR. And uh, they, despite my brother's best protests, um, he never got this revoked. And you're like, dude, come on! Like he really needs his point. Like just give it to him. It's okay. The, the numbers are correct, but <laughs> yeah. he didn't win that one. He didn't win that one. So there's always there's always slight cultural differences, isn't there? When a lot of people come together from from all over the world but i suppose that's what keeps it interesting um one of the things i would say that really resonated with me from a, a few people mentioned this i think caleb you've touched on this a lot and, and quite a few other people mentioned this as well as like the for me at least the burden of of like not not costing your parents their job, you know, not destroying their career, not, um, you know, <laughs> not getting them kicked out by you getting kicked out was, was definitely big. Um, and that one weighed quite heavily on me for a bit. There was at one time, um, after a certain incident at school, the, well, I can't remember what exactly her position is, but she she was like acting principal, put it to me that, you know, you need to you need to think about what you're doing here and you need to think of the bigger picture. Um and the bigger picture was, of course, that if I got if I had to leave school, um, then my parents would also have to leave the country because you know, what are they going to do with you if, if you can't go to school? So they would have to leave the country um, and what that means and what it means is they'll probably, 
probably lose their jobs. You can suppose you can go further and say they might lose their careers. Um, but it was also put to me even further, um, which was that, so at that time, if you go back to the village that, um, that we kind of grew up in as young, as much younger kids, my parents were still working there. They were still translating the Bible, um, with this particular language group. Um, there's about 10,000 or so people who speak this language. And obviously the whole point of translating the Bible for these people into that language is so that people who speak that language can finally, uh, you know, access the word of God and, and uh, they'll read it and hopefully that'll help, help them, you know, become Christians and, and, and do the right thing. Um, but of course, were that particular project was it to be were it to be stopped in any way, then I would need to consider, you know, my role in stopping that mm-hmm. Bible from being published. <laughs> so that was put to me like that. So of course, my brain starts starts kind of going and uh, start thinking about this more and more. And I, it got to the stage where I was having dreams about, you know, okay, you finally die and you're trying to get into heaven. You're like, all right, come on. Like, <laughs> let's, uh, let's see what we can wrangle here. Let's, let's try and go to a good place. And um, you're trying to explain to God that like, yeah, I, I know that 10,000 people are now in hell because of, you know, something I did in school, but can we not like kind of cut a deal here or can we not, you know, is it really that bad? Is it really my fault? And then it would always come back to, well, it did kind of boil down to you because if you just hadn't done whatever, then, you know, these people would have got the Bible and then they would have been converted and now they'd all be coming to heaven. But instead I had to send them to hell. Um, and that was a dream I got quite a few times, and that that really messed with me. Uh, yeah, um, I would imagine. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, that's just... So when I heard, when I heard, I'd never. That was something that I'd I'd always assumed was just me. Um, mm-hmm. I was the only person that had ever ever thought this or ever felt that anyway, you know, I must be the only person on the planet that's ever had this put to them. But then I started listening to the podcast and you're like, all these other people are like, they were feeling the, the exact same, the exact same burden as well. If like literally the exact same thing of fight, if I, if I, if for whatever reason, I'm the cause of my family having to go here because it happens all the time. You know, we've all seen it happen. Um, you know, what's going to happen to my parents? What's going to happen to their job? You know, what's going to happen to me if my parents lose their job? Um, and all that stuff. So it was weirdly comforting to then all these years later uh, start listening to to Life and Wasted. And you're like, wow, all these other, you know, these kids in the Philippines were feeling the exact same thing. It just, 
yeah, I think I really needed to hear that actually, that it wasn't just me who was, who was mm-hmm. feeling that it was. Yeah. You said it happens all the time. Uh, what, what happens all the time? Uh, I forgot now. <laughs> oh, was it, is, is, is it, uh, people leaving or losing their, you know, oh, yeah. losing their, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It, you know, that, that people just randomly get pulled from the field or they have to yeah. go home for whatever or something they've done. I actually found out very recently, just about a month ago, I was speaking to a friend of mine who he, a, a really close friend of mine that I'd known since I think about fifth grade. And then, um, at the end of 10th grade, he just disappeared. Mm. Uh, and this was, I mean, this was 20 years ago uh, that he just disappeared. And up until about a month ago, I had assumed that his, you know, his parents, um, you know, the time was up or they were only there, you know, they were only there for a certain amount of time because um, they were doing a very specific job. So I just assumed that his parents were going home for whatever reason. But actually, then I found out that no, no, that wasn't the case at all. Um, he'd had an incident at school and uh, essentially I think he got expelled and that was it. You know, towards the end of the school year, uh, he got kicked out and that was it. The whole family, boom, they all left. Wow. Mm. Yeah. And like his younger brother as well, who I think was quite enjoying the whole thing. Um, he had to go to and, and they went back home. So, yeah, yeah, I only found that out a month ago. So 20, literally 20 years later, mm. um, I only ever found out the real reason for, for that happening. So it definitely does happen. Well, and it's, it's interesting that like when you think about that, fear of you know damning 10,000 people to to um hell or whatever you know you think about it now that's so irrational it's so irrational <laughs> i mean i rem- i think i've talked about this on the podcast before but i remember james dobson in one of those dobson videos talking about how uh he had prayed with ted bundy who's a serial killer and uh, you know ted bundy accepted jesus in- into his heart and uh he was a christian and he's going to heaven right this guy's a serial killer yeah. Um, but but Miksu, Miksu um, disrupted his parents from translating the Bible. And so yeah. he goes to hell because he he killed 10,000 people. Right. Like oh, that yeah. makes that makes no sense. But the the real um, the real fear in all of that is people did get disappeared, you know, and I remember this happened to me my freshman year of of, of high school in the dorm. Um, and I'm going to be very careful how I tell this story so that yeah. no one could be identified. Everyone in, in my dorm who was there knows this. Um, but there was a, a guy in the dorm. He w- wasn't from America. He was from a different country. His parents were serving in a different country other, you know, in the, other than the Philippines. So like, um, uh, he was there and, uh, one day, you know, the dorm parents were out and they came back and they said, Oh, Hey, Caleb, did you notice anyone go into our, our bedroom? And I said, Oh, I saw so-and-so go down the hallway earlier. Well, this kid had gone and used the one computer that had internet uh, to look up some, you know, inappropriate things. All right. And, and that was 1997. Um, and I have no idea what happened to that guy. No idea. Right. Next day he's gone. Next day he's just yeah. disappeared. 
You never saw him. Never, never saw him again. What happened to him? He went back to his country of origin or to where his parents were. It was a closed country where his parents were. And so like, like the, the reality of losing everything in a moment, that's real. Yeah. It's very real. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, that's crazy. Just, just gone the next day. Wow. Yeah. It's like East Germany, man. you know the the fear is not knowing the fear is like what you know what could i do or what sin could i commit or you know how far is too far what is i mean we were joking around all the time and i i'd love to hear some of your um hostile stories um and like i'm sure you know like (laughs) there's no cable television and um you know, there's one phone call for like 20 guys. So guess what? We got into a lot of trouble and, but how <laughs> far was too far? You know, there's always that fear of, I mean, what is trouble? Yeah. Well, let's just redefine good. that word. What is I trouble? Just being an adolescent back. boy and being interested yeah. in, in, in um uh, how sex works. That's too far. <laughs> you know, how? being an adolescent boy and looking at porn for some reason, that is a cardinal sin. That is, that gets you shipped home. Like, yeah, come because, on, you know, you're never going to see this stuff if you didn't look at it right there. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> but the problem, the problem with the whole trouble thing is that the, the bar, the, the threshold for so-called trouble is set so incredibly low, you know, it's, it's, it's so stupidly easy to cross that line without even knowing you've crossed it because you're not, it's not like you're living in, the real world where you're conforming, you know, you have to play by laws and rules and kind of generally accepted what's accepted by society, but you have an extra layer of, of all the, the Christian missionary stuff. And then sometimes within that as well, you'll have like, well, these people, like these people will let you listen to this CD, but these people won't. And like, if you're coming, like the music thing, it's hard for me to sometimes explain to to people here, non-MKs, like how how big the whole music thing is and like how much it can control your life as well. Because it's like, oh, well, around these people, I can listen to this and around those people, I can listen to that. But around these people, you know, I better make sure that um, newsboys is playing or something and, and nothing else because you know we really can't we really can't cross any lines with them but like oh with these guys you know i think we can get away with lincoln park yeah. like maybe yeah. maybe we can you know there's no swearing yeah. in that but it's a bit angsty so mm, actually okay for these other people when they're around we'll, we'll change it out to something else that just sounds a bit less kind of angsty and a bit more like happy and, and like the bar for or yeah. you know breaking breaking the law is so stupidly low that for a lot of us it's 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 really hard not to cross that line mm-hmm. and ultimately you're tough. accommodating other other individuals and i remember yeah. with one missionary family in our mission we weren't allowed to drink out of a coke bottle around their kids because we would be a bad <laughs> influence because if you drink out of a coke <laughs> bottle you're gonna grow up to drink beer and huh? you can't put a straw in it. You we weren't allowed to put a straw in the Coke bottle because then you would smoke. So you weren't allowed to do that around them. So you had to pour it into a glass. So anytime 
we would drink Coke around these this other family who's on our mission. We had to drink it out of a glass so that we didn't, you know, make their kids become alcoholics and, and tobacco fiends, you know. Meek, so I want to ask you, uh, so like pull pull that into the present. You here we are 20 years later, 21 years later. And you you're listening to this podcast and it's like, whoa, I wasn't the only one that had to carry the weight of my parents' ministry. I wasn't the only one that had a rational fear of making one mistake, you know, having to overthink every interaction, overthink every word, overthink every decision, because that decision could could uh, land me in missionary jail, you know, like, yeah. what's it like now as an adult realizing that you've been carrying that for 20 years? It's, it's incredible, really. Um, I, I don't know if I'd ever thought of it in that way that I'd been carrying it. Like when you're living in it, it's, it's obviously very real because that is your life. And your life right then has consequences. Everything you do then has very, very real consequences, no matter how ridiculous or how abnormal uh, things might sound. Um, but now, you know, I'm, I'm living my own life right now um, and I'm really enjoying it. So it, it just feels surreal to think, to think about that. And, and now I can laugh about it and how how insane that was that you know somehow the the souls of 10,000 people were all hinged on you know a 14 year old or however old I was um you know it was all down to me somehow not down to anybody else but it was all you know why why did I how did I let myself be told that it all hinged on me <laughs> it's it's quite funny to think about now, but at the time, though, man, that was that was very, very, very real, and you you certainly felt it. The irony in all this is that we are taught we're worthless individuals, yeah, and yet the fate of ten thousand souls rests on us. You know that's so I've never how do we? Yeah. That's very, very true. Yeah. How do yeah. we balance those two things? We have the lowest self-esteem ever as <laughs> MKs, and yet we think we're so, they think we're so important that because of us, we're going to ruin the whole mission field. <laughs> it's so true. It's such a, such a valid point. Um, uh, it, one, one thing, you know, even... In, with that particular situation and then in other situations as well, you just can end up thinking like, like at the time when I was still like, okay, yeah, you know, this is, this, this is the right thing to do here. We need to make sure that, you know, everything goes smoothly. But you're also thinking, why, why me? Like, why, like, okay, I get we need to do this, but why is it, why is it up to me to carry all this? You know, could, could someone not, could someone a bit more experienced or stronger or, you know, somebody who's more into this thing, maybe more passionate about the whole thing? Why, why can they not be carrying it? Why, why does it, I don't even want to be here. You know, this <laughs> landed on me. I didn't ask to be here. I've made it pretty clear. I don't want to be here, but somehow, somehow it's all on me. And you're like, ah, oh, damn it. <laughs> yeah. You just want to be a kid, you know? Yeah, yeah, and 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 live life and not um, 
not feel that responsibility. The lack of the lack of free will is definitely something that confused me as well. You know, as as Christians, we're taught that. I mean, that's kind of one of the most important things about Christianity, isn't it? Is that everybody has free will. That's kind of the whole point in it. But you know, everybody has free will. But with that free will, you should choose to follow God. Um, paraphrasing a bit, obviously, but you know that that's a large part of it. But there's there's not always a whole lot of free will afforded to to the missionary kids. I think uh, you're, you're kind of you're in you're kind of in the ministry whether you whether you want to or not. So the free the free will is lacking a bit. We never had to do. Um, I think Caleb, you talk quite a lot, like having to do like the the dancing monkey routine, <laughs> raising support. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> um on furlough luckily we never we never really had to do that i think mm. my parents realized that none of us uh were really hugely keen on on taking part in that so we never got to do that which i'm really thankful about because hearing your stories and hearing other people's stories about having to to do the stuff that you guys had to do i i don't think i would have i don't think i would have taken that too well or survived that too well <laughs> <laughs> But you're talking are you, are you, about uh, sorry no go for it i was just i was just it brought me back to something you were talking about the the drinking coke from a straw and uh you know people and their and their different rules and how this family wouldn't let you do that or drink from a bottle i i knew uh, uh a girl whose parents wouldn't let her let me see if i'm remembering this right this just brought this memory up for me right now her parent parents would only let her hang out with kids as long as they were in an, a group of odd numbers. So, like, if there was no. six people hanging out, no. If it was five, that's fine. If it was seven, that's fine. Six, no. Four, no. Um, and the reason for this was the logic behind it was was that let's say you have six kids there's three boys there's oh three goodness right you see where this is going <laughs> you know they who knows what they'll get up to they might get up to all sorts of shenanigans but if you have a you know an extra person there a third wheel or a fifth wheel then that will obviously stop anything from happening it's yeah. foolproof it's it is i mean the uh, logic yeah. is valuable yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah, parent of a That's teenager just... here. It makes perfect sense. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, uh, I, I did want to, um, I did want to ask you kind of, you kind of started off um, talking about the, uh, I don't know if the, this is the right term or not, uh, the, the tribal areas that you were, uh, your parents were uh, translating Ooh. the Bible for. Yeah. And, you know, SIL, yes, we had it in the Philippines. Um, uh, that is a very different type type of mission work than than what my parents did. You know, my dad got up in front of people and and was a pastor, and we did some agricultural relief and development, um, a lot a lot more like you know leadership building within the church, that kind of stuff. What is what do you think is unique to the Bible translator experience? Ah, that's a great question. Um, so so certainly from my experience, we we were not there to stand up in front of people and preach at them. 
mm. um, because as a as a family we had or so that the language group or I suppose you could call it a tribe in fact um, they put in a request to the organization uh, and they put in a request saying we'd like the Bible translated into our language and then I guess the call goes out from there to the Western world and then you know we end up there. So when we got there, um, there's, I still very much remember the first day we ever went out there. Um, you know, it was the guys were like, look, here's the land. This is where you're going to build your house. Here's bricks we've made for you. This is where you're going to build your house with. Uh, you know, here's a well. That's where you'll get your water and so on and so on. So right from the get-go, we were made to feel with with that particular with those particular people with that tribe we were made to feel extremely welcome um which you know certainly looking back on it now <laughs> it works for me i'm i'm more of an introvert and i don't think i could have handled the um the other type of of preaching or i, I don't, that's the funny thing i don't really know what the other side do but that's what it was for us is Essentially, someone was invited there, or the call was out for somebody to go there, and uh, we ended up there. And that meant that the whole time we were there, we had a very positive relationship with with the tribe itself, with the people there. Um, my parents and my siblings are still in touch with a lot of people there today. Um, my parents have, to their credit, done some incredible work that goes far beyond translating the Bible um, in terms of education, in terms of healthcare, uh, in terms of just general development, in terms of the odd bit of kind of disaster relief, um, this kind of thing. And they were able to do that because they were so embedded in with the locals because they spoke the language as well so they were able to speak to absolutely everybody not just the couple of people who speak french um that it, it what they managed to do was that good that there's actually people in the village the cameroonians who some of them a couple of them have named their kids after my parents so you have a couple Cameroonian kids running around these days um, named after uh, my parents, one who has a very Scottish name and one who has a very Finnish name because my mom's Finnish. So uh, mm. someday maybe an anthropologist or something will find this and uh, have a laugh about it. And they'll probably know why, but it, it, it's uh, I think it's a testament to to what they've managed to achieve there. You know, not just the Bible translation, yeah. but all the all the other stuff that they've managed to do as well, and, and really, really help. What well, probably I don't mean any disrespect, but was kind of one of the more downtrodden tribes in the area. You know, there were far more stronger and bigger ones around there, um, but these guys, these guys seem to have just seen everything through, and and now you know. They've got people going to university. They've got people um, really, really, really not only get getting educated, but also coming back and and helping their own as well to to improve their own lives. So 
that is a huge, huge win. Um, and I would, I would say uh, a big sort of satisfaction for my parents as well. Yeah, that's, that's a, that's an amazing legacy, you know, as complicated mm. as missions are, you know, I know, I know with my parents, there was a lot of good that they, they did too. And there's a lot of good that, that, that missionaries do. Um, you know, I think um, a lot of us also uh, are very aware of missions role and in, in colonization and the legacy oh, of colonization yeah. and all of those things. And, yeah. and you can hold both of those things at the same time, you know, because, you know, and I saw this a lot with SIL, um, you guys were a lot more embedded uh, uh, in the, the communities that you served much more embedded than the little bubble of a missionary kid school uh, that, you know, in that hostel that you were in, you know, that's a totally different missionary experience than, yeah. than when you were out um, uh, with your parents. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely. Let's go but, for a, Oh, sorry so, to jump ship. But let's yeah, go finish for a your wild... thought. Okay. Yeah. Let's finish your thought. Finish your thought. And then human, I, I'm guessing you want a wild story. Yeah. 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 I was just, I was just saying that, um, yeah, there, I mean, not, not every SIL, uh, family or, or missionary is, is necessarily on the field. There are plenty that are living the kind of gated bubble life as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't mean to demean the work they do. Uh, they're in support roles, but they probably did have it in some way slightly easier than, you know, the people out in, in the fields who didn't have, electricity or <laughs> uh, running water or, or TV or this kind of thing. You'd go and visit them someday and they'd be like, oh, yeah, I've got cable TV and a microwave. And they'd be like, what? You've got, you've, you've got ice cream in your freezer? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, cumin. Well, um, uh, on the was... note of the hostels or Yeah, let's hear dorms. a dorm story. Yeah. Yeah. Since you were at Rainfall. Rainfall. What a name, rainfall. But <laughs> <laughs> anyways, yeah, let's let's dive into one of those stories of your adolescent years in your hostels. Yeah, uh, a dorm story. So the, the the hostel we were in was about, I'd say, about fifteen minutes drive from from the school itself. It was just, it was a big building, essentially. I think they'd rented it out from someone. Um, uh, there was always something weird happening there. Uh, I'll always remember this one time when there was a lot of commotion going on outside and we went outside and there was about two or 300 people gathered around and there was this fight kicking off between, I think it was two guys had crashed into each other and this big fight kicking off and there was this absolutely gigantic guy who was just going crazy and then this tiny guy was trying to trying to break it up and uh somewhere a machete came or no an axe came out luckily it was never used we never saw anything anything too bad but um i i i can't really describe that one you've caught me off guard with the hostel story one but this one <laughs> <laughs> plenty of other yeah. stories but yeah, the, hostel, yeah. the hostel was generally a more subdued place yeah. um for us uh but this this thing will just the sheer insanity of of several hundred people blocking the road you know no traffic's going anywhere 
everybody is just watching this fight take place. Only like the smallest person out of these 200 or 300 people is the one trying to stop it. Nobody else is doing everything, anything. Everyone else is just there to, to watch. It was just absolutely surreal, but it was one of those, you had to be there moments. I'm afraid. Yeah. Wow. What was a favorite pastime for you all? A favorite pastime? I think I think we like playing we like playing football, but but beyond that, we really love camping. Um, oh, so, yeah, yeah, camping. Camping was was definitely the favorite pastime for a few reasons. Um, well, camping and another thing actually. Uh, so this one day in in eighth grade, it was eighth grade. We'd been down to. So if you wanted to buy mute CDs in, in Yaoundé, what you need to do is you need to go to the Greek bakery and then there's guys standing out there that sell pirated music CDs. Great if you want to buy like Eminem or, you know, anything rap oriented. Not so good if you want anything else. But if you're into that kind of stuff, it's great. So we'd been down there, bought a few CDs, we're in a taxi coming home and it kind of struck us that, hey, wonder if we could drive this thing. So what you can do with a taxi there is you can kind of pay an hourly rate and, uh, you know, he'll drive you around for that hourly rate. So we said to him, okay, well, how about this? We'll pay above the hourly. I think the hourly rate was like 1,500 francs and uh, we're like pay you 2,000, but we want to drive. And uh, after some thinking, he's like, yeah, okay, okay, let's do it. So we we went off onto a quiet road. None of us had any idea how to drive, never driven before, <laughs> no clue what we were doing. Um, poor guy's clutch probably got severely destroyed that day, but we did our best and he seemed to enjoy it. So once we'd done it one time, we <laughs> we kind of got we kind of got the rush and the the feel for it. So then we did it again yeah. and again and again. We started and then as more and more kids did it, then other people would start doing it as well. Um it got to the stage where I can't remember if I was there or not, but definitely somebody else, a few other guys I know would go around, they'd do this at night and they would actually start picking up fares in the taxi. So the, the driver is just sitting in the back, having a good time. He's getting paid to earn money. These people, you know, you've got a couple of white kids in the car, just driving around, picking up fare, taking them. <laughs> 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 like, a, like a side quest on like Grand Theft yeah. Auto. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just oh, that's just, so funny. You know, the look on these people's faces, they stop a taxi and so there's like, three white teenagers just sitting there like, yeah, yeah, get in, get in, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Where is it going? Oh, how do we get there? Where is that? <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Um, oh, that, I mean, it grew yeah. from there. Of course, one day we finally got caught by the police and, uh, you know, they, they there was a, a fine to pay and uh, the, fine ha- <laughs> the fine happened to be the exact amount of money that was in the car at that point between all our pockets right drivers kings and um we felt really bad for him so we had him come around later and and we you know we topped him up we made sure it was worth his while but um Mm -hmm. taxi driving was definitely that was a that was a good one that 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 was a a popular hobby at one point (laughs) that's so funny 
that it reminds me we had this like really crappy uh white dorm van and both of the sides on the dorm van would um open up you know slide back and uh-huh. so we would put both the sides back uh because we it looked like a uh we thought it looked like a helicopter like a Huey helicopter in Vietnam and then <laughs> and then what you know one of the seniors uh who was allowed to drive it would do the pedals um and it was clutch right and so you uh-huh. have one guy this is in Manila Metro Manila traffic one guy doing the pedals and the clutch another guy would reach over the top of them and grab the steering wheel and steer <laughs> And then the guy in the passenger, the front passenger seat would do the gear shift. No. And so you had three people driving the car all at once. <laughs> and you know what? We got it down really well. You know, it was like super great communication. And then everyone would hang out the side of this uh, this van because the doors are wide open, you know. So you'd have guys hanging out, you know, hanging on with one hand. Um, it, it was just chaos, just chaos. But same thing. <laughs> You know, anything for a rush. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's it. That's it. And of course, you know, we joined we joined the hobbies of camping and taxi driving because if you want to do it long term, you have to have a good excuse for not being at home. So that's where the camping comes in first. You know, oh, we're oh. going. Oh, well, yeah. We're going camping okay. up this mountain. So that's your alibi. You're away. You're out of the house. And then once you're out, then, hey the rest of the day or the night's years to, to go drive some taxis. So the, the two yeah. hobbies worked really well hand in hand. And and this was eighth grade. So you're, you're it, just going, what, what, how sta- old were you? It started in eighth grade, but I think, mm-hmm. I think the, the time we got caught, we were in ninth grade, yeah. um, but this, this continued on 10th and 11th grade as well. But uh, your, it, your dorm, your hostel is just like, Hey, Oh, you're going to go camping in cameroon up on the mountain oh yeah that's fine yeah some somehow that was absolutely fine yeah. but yeah other, other you know you want to watch uh a pg-13 movie and you're like Ooh. <laughs> you know you want to watch rush hour again <laughs> oh, <laughs> there's some swears in there yeah, there's you a know. couple swears in there you know that's known as the sweary one so mm, maybe <laughs> maybe watch shrek instead but you want to go camping yeah do you have a machete because you'll need one yeah, you know, <laughs> be safe. <laughs> what a life it's, that is! So wild. It is yeah. truly wild. Thinking of all the man, mental gymnastics people yeah. were pulling to get in that mindset. Yeah, yeah, it really Watch is. Of course, movie. at the time, it's just completely normal because yeah. that's what that's what you're living in, and that's the those are the parameters that you've got to work with. But I think kids will always be resourceful, won't they? And they'll find, they'll find the ones who want to have fun. will find a way to have fun. There'll be others who yeah. aren't too bothered, but the ones who want to, will always find a way. <laughs> and you were one of those ones who always found a way. I would say so. I would, I think for me after, yeah, after the, the experience of the, of, you know, being, told that I, I needed to consider the 10,000 souls, my my whole attitude, so that was in 10th grade, and, and at that point, that was early 10th grade, at that point, I just kind of thought, okay, this, you've got, you know, almost three years left here. Um, this is about survival now. So mm. I know that my time here, although it feels 
like it's eternity, although it feels like I'm in purgatory already. Uh, my time here is actually finite and, you know, that actually finishes at the end of 12th grade. And then after that, I'm back in the real world. So at that point, I made a decision of, look, you just got to get through this. Just put on the smiley face or be quiet, one or the other, uh, and just just get through it. Just get through it. But at the same time, you have to prepare for eventually coming back home because that is when your life is going to change and that is what it's going to change for the better so that's when i really really started making a conscious effort every single day to to you know watch more movies to find out what's happening in the world to read the news um to listen to music to you know whatever it was watch south park watch tv shows that people my age are watching because from my previous experiences i knew that being the person who didn't who couldn't relate to anybody who didn't know anything wasn't it doesn't help you it doesn't help mm. you at all it doesn't help you integrate at all but if you're able to have inside jokes with people with about tv shows or what's happening or cultural references or whatever that's what will get you in and then once you're able to assimilate with people a lot better, guess what? Hey, life's not actually that hard. So I made a conscious effort to just try and get on top of that. Um, and it worked brilliantly for me. Absolutely yeah. brilliantly. Um, finished, finished high school, 12th grade, came to Scotland. I actually had to do another, I had to do 12th grade again in Scotland um, to, to get, essentially to get some exams um the the diploma i got from from the cameronian school unfortunately wasn't really going down too well at scottish university so i i did another another year of school in scotland which didn't bother me at all i just treated it as yet another year to kind of of re-entry of learning what i need to do and then after that i went to university and that right there then is is where I feel like my life really started because mm. all of a sudden I felt free, just yeah. unlimited, mm. unrestricted freedom to just live your own life. And I remember the first day of that, just thinking, this is it. This is what you've been waiting for your whole entire life to just be able to enjoy this. You had four years of high school, which you didn't particularly enjoy. But now you've got four years of this and it's brilliant. So just make the absolute most of this. And I feel like I did. I feel like I did. Yeah. Uh had a fantastic time. And I don't regret at all my decision of just, you know, focusing on what was happening after my MK life. You know, obviously we kept having fun whenever possible. We tried to make the most of of the time that I was there, I always tried to make the most of that. But really, I feel like I was thinking long term uh, and what I was going to do when I finally got out. I wow. have been dying to ask you this question um, this whole time. And you just answered it. in the back of my head. I, the question I wanted to ask you um, when you were talking about 
uh, being uh, out in the, and I say tribal areas, I don't know that that's the right term, but you mentioned you had this like freedom to just explore and go all over the place. And then you talked about being at the school where, you know, free will was supposed to be, you know, part of, (laughs) of your experience, but it certainly wasn't. You, you, you were carrying the the weight of your parents' ministry, the weight of um, uh, needing to behave at all times and question everything that you were doing. What I wanted to ask you is, do you feel, feel free now? And when was the moment that you felt free or you came to the awakening of, wow, I'm free. That was the question I've been wanting to ask you for 30 minutes. And you, you went right there, you know, you went right there, which is, you, you know, this moment where you're like, I feel like the, you know, the chains have come off and, and my life is free. And I can't believe that, um, that was it that intersected right there. Um, and, 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 and who are you now? I mean, um, uh, I, I don't know if you want to tell people what you do, because I, I definitely <laughs> want people to utilize your, your, your company if they're ever in Scotland. Um, but, uh, uh, I don't know how does being adaptable and, um, uh, being able to just code shift like that and be a quick study on culture and, and people's background, how does that show up in your life now? Yeah, it's obviously useful. Uh, being able to to speak to people from from anywhere, and also I think just having a genuine interest in in someone and where they're from and the culture that they've got, I think, is always uh, very very useful. Um, learned a few languages as well, so that's you know that helps as well. But I, I would say it's definitely had some benefits. Um, I, I will not deny that at all that my my childhood and the experiences I had there are have the experiences have been beneficial a lot of them um but I would also say that any most people's childhood experiences are beneficial for to them somewhere in the long run so I wouldn't what am I trying to say here um it's not no, I'm struggling to word this properly, but uh, it has been beneficial, definitely, for what I do now. But I think if I'd, if I'd just been living here my whole life, I might be doing something different. And who's to say that that might not be good as well. Uh, but what I do now, I, uh, I run a company uh, in tourism in Scotland. Um, I'm married to a non-MK, uh, which is fantastic. That is exactly what I needed. Um, somebody yeah. who can give me a different perspective. Uh, for me personally, that's that's exactly what I need because I find myself, even to this day, you know, my brain always thinks one way, but I need somebody who also thinks the other way. And then we meet somewhere in the middle or she tells me like, no, 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 no that's, that's not how things work here. Or, you know, dude, <laughs> yeah. um, you're thinking like an MK again. You know, that's not just listen to what you just said. Like, that's not, that's not right. And you're like, oh, right. Yeah, you're true. You're right. You're right. That's, that is a bit insane what I just said. So that is absolutely perfect for me. I needed that. Yeah. That, that's pretty much our time. I, I want to ask you one last question, which is, yeah. um, sorry, two last questions. One, I want to ask you why you picked this song that you did, but two, I, I want to ask you, 
um, the question we always ask, if you could go back <laughs> and talk to that uh, ninth grade version of yourself that is deciding ninth or 10th grade version of yourself, I forget when you said it happened, when you said, I'm just going to put my head down and gut through this mm-hmm. until I can get out of the situation. What would, what would you tell Miksu? I would tell him to, to keep doing what he's doing and he's doing the right thing and he's made the right decision because when you're in it, you know, when you make those kind of long-term big decisions, even if it feels like you're doing the right thing and you're pretty convinced you're doing the right thing, you never know with a 100% certainty that you are doing the right thing. But Mm -hmm. nowadays what I would go back and tell him is, yeah, you're damn right. You're doing the right thing. That is exactly what you need to be doing. So see that thing you're doing, keep doing it, put all your energy, all your effort, everything into that. Keep trying to enjoy yourself while you're here, but also really, really focus on doing that because it's so worth it. That's a life unwasted right there. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Exactly. Why this song? Why why Blink One Eighty Two? Uh I listened to a lot of Blink One Eighty Two uh mm-hmm. when I was in high school and uh it brings it brings back certain memories and uh that's it. I just really like it. It's my happy music. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna play a little bit of Cumin, what are we gonna say at the end? Are we oh. gonna do Go Vanguards or what was your school mascot? Or can we do that? Yeah, yeah, let's go. Oh, I mean oh. you Final know thoughts. what? I had my mic on mic on mute. So oh. I had, I had, I was, I was saying yeah. stuff like I was oh saying goodness. things, and then I had no response. I was thinking, what about oh, you? No. Anyways, but oh yeah, no, we were, yeah, 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 yeah. I want to hear you. Rude. two were ign- were willfully ignoring me, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I was just saying, I cannot believe how the hour just flew by, like all our other interviews. I, I just, we just blink and and it's gone. At the end of the hour. And it's it's gone. Well, and you'll just have to have like one eight two. Yeah, it's my first time to see that music video of three guys streaking across everywhere. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. If you watch the Blink One Eighty Two video, uh, it's uh, three guys streaking, which also reminds me of dorm times. Um, yeah. Uh, it, final thoughts, human, and what should we say at the end? Yeah, yeah. Mix uh, my final thoughts. I just. Uh, Mixer just captivated it by saying one thing: it's worth it. Yeah, that says everything. It's worth it. It's worth it, guys. It's worth it. It's definitely worth it. Yeah. So, what should we say? Uh, well, the, the official mascot was the Golden Cats. If Golden if, Cats, you're gonna go with. Do you feel comfortable <laughs> with that, or do you want to do something else? Ah, uh, let's do golden cats. Golden cats. All right. Yeah. All right. Let's do golden cats. Let's yeah, go All golden right. cats. I took her out. It was a Friday night. I walk alone to get the feeling right. We started making out, and she took off my pants. But then I turned on the TV. And that's about the time she walked away from me Nobody likes you when you're 23 All right, cute. On the count of three One, two, three Go Golden, Golden Cats, Cats. <laughs>
What's my age again? What's my 